a warm welcome to the latest episode of Talking Golf with me, Hugh Marr. Equipment distances is not damaging our entertainment at that level. Those guys are still spending hours practicing chipping, bunkers, putting, wedge control. That's not maximum distance, that's finesse. They don't just stand there smashing it or pumping iron. Welcome to another episode of Talking Golf, where I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by a Sky Sports analyst. Is that a good way of putting it? I believe I'd be sort of a guest analyst. A guest analyst. Yes, yes, yes. And golf coach. Still an active golf coach. Love golf coach. And my dear friend Simon Holmes. Now, when looking for a topic to discuss, one of my passions just now is the ongoing debate about the golf ball going too far. So I figured, well, we've just had a rather lovely lunch discussing the old days and wooden woods and hand ground wedges. And figured, well, you know what, why do we talk about the state of the game today? Because I'm sick to death of reading reports of how the game is going in the wrong direction. That the golf ball goes too far, that the great courses are becoming obsolete because of that, and that the biggest concern for me is that there seems to be a belief now that the game of golf requires less skill to play at the top level. All of which I personally disagree with. I'm I'm there with you. I'm there with you. I'm a massive believer that in my, when watching elite athletes, I want to see them be able to do something that I can't do. I want to be able to see them doing remarkable things. And there's no question that the game of golf has become much more playable. I'm not going to say easier but much more playable to club-level players because of the evolution of golf equipment. It's a more enjoyable game to play at leisure level using 45-inch 460cc driver with a ball that goes a decent distance than it is with a persimmon with nine degrees of loft and a bladder ball. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that you see, isn't it? We shine an incredibly intense spotlight on probably 150 of the world's golfers, right? 0.0001% of people who play the game. However many decimals it is. But you and I are coaching and our guys are not hitting it far enough and not hitting it too straight. So I understand the argument that some of the traditionists have of saying, okay, listen, the old St. Andrews, is now obsolete because of modern equipment. And then you would say, okay, listen, maybe the scoring has got better, but I wouldn't say that it's obsolete. I do think there is a genuine value. You know, I would go and play St. Andrews having watched the Open, and I would be fascinated to see maybe like where one or two of the shots played from. That's one of the things that is truly amazing about golf. But I wouldn't just dismiss the modern player and superb athlete as somebody whose equipment is now so good he's cheating I I think that's where a lot of that attitude is coming from Um, I would definitely say listen the old course of St Andrews is a classic history is an important part of golf and we would not want to damage that and and have these sort of now play in a different type of looking stadium so definitely saying that but The 99 point whatever it is percent of the golfers who are not in the tiny spotlight are not having such a massive uplift from modern equipment. Modern equipment for me can still keep going. So I would still say if you can make the ball more stable, if you can make the clubs fit me better, 
keep going. Don't stop. Don't say, hey, listen, you know what? Technology has gone as far as it should go and it should be sealing and that's as far as it should get. And it oversimplifies the argument saying that the ball is going further merely because of the equipment. The, yes. The athletes are better and there's more of them. The equipment's definitely a factor. We're not going to deny that. The golf courses, by and large, are set up faster now. Oh, yeah. If you watched um, the last time the Open Championship was at St Andrews, it genuinely looks as though the guys who are cutting the 18th and first fairways have come straight off the green and then cut the fairway. I yeah. mean, when you go and walk up there with, with your guys on the practice days and you look, you could putt on, oh, that, on that 18th green, 18th fairway, 50 yards short of the 18th, you could putt all the no way question. up. No question. So we've got firmer, faster, we've got all sorts of different elements that are coming together. And I think that the technology guys are an easy scapegoat. Yeah. Really easy scapegoat. You know, <clears throat> I remember, if you think back at, at looking at 100 tour players in, let's say, 1990 versus 100 tour players now, the physical shape and athleticism and fitness level is nowhere near. There's no comparison between what it was then and what it was now. There were a few guys... Nick Faldo was definitely a guy who took fitness. Some of the Swedish guys were very quick to get onto the fitness um, deal. Now, if you don't have fitness and speed and strength and balance, you're not even on tour. We would never see you. Well, we're definitely seeing that. I mean, just looking at the European tour particularly now, the established names who are struggling to retain their card year after year now are generally the shorter hitters. Yeah. But we're also in this argument missing the fact that human progress... The four-minute mile was a remarkable achievement in, in history, but I mean, I have no idea what the mile record is now, but it's significantly less. Humans will always, particularly at elite level, always evolve and improve and find a way to get better, regardless of the equipment they're using. No doubt. And historically, the best player in the world at any one point in time was generally the guy that hit it the furthest and straightest. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the other thing about elite golf is that it isn't just, you know, if you look at Joe Miller, um, who was our long driving champion, you see him a lot on Sky. It is astonishing to me how, how consistently well he hits it, absolutely thrashing it. But if you take a Brooks Kepka, man, that guy can hit it 50 yards. He can hit it 85. He, he's, his control, you know, he's on the downslope of a bunker. He can sort that out as well, get the right spin. And he stands there having to make a six-footer and he can stand and make it. So it's not a maximum. This is not a sprint finish. There's so many different skills where precision is matched with total power all the time. On every single hole, 18 times then, it is a match of those two things. There's always a balance between. Always a balance. So I, I don't think the argument of equipment has made it less skillful equipment has made it less interesting that i do not buy the guys definitely with a with a rubber golf ball and wooden drivers didn't have maximum power probably as an option because if you miss the sweet spot with those drivers the ball rolled off the side off the planet so there's different skills you're an athlete's matching his skill to what equipment is coming up next or what's equipment's now I'm still totally engaged by 18 holes of golf with traditional 
everything traditional, four rounds, the Masters, the Open, the Ryder Cup is different, obviously, but those two wouldn't miss a second of yeah. those. Correct. Because it's the most engaging part of the sport that I love the most. I think if you're going to play fast golf, if you're going to play sixes, if you're going to do all of these things, that might be a, an, a way to capture a bit of interest, maybe, but it's not the way the game should go. And it's not golf, no. Because, actually, the traditional 18-hole, 72-hole format is, the, is one of the things that people love about the game. Yeah, I, I think that it's very much a chess match, isn't it? And that's a very engaging part of it. Well, and you see that Brooks Kopka, I think, is a, as you pointed out, is a phenomenally skilled athlete because not only has he got the ability to bomb at 320 with a soft cut, as you say, he then requires a different set of skills to excel. Yeah. If he couldn't play the 85-yard cut-up shot with a bit of spin, he wouldn't be able to compete. No. He's just being asked to display a different set of skills to Faldo in the mid-80s, for example. Precisely. I mean, I think that in sort of in training the sort of guys who are really coming to the top in sort of the the 90s, the coaches at that time were pretty much looking to make them accurate enough off the tee, but then very accurate with, let's say, 155 yards and in, and a great putter. That was pretty much what you needed. So you needed to be quite precise and a great putter and you could be the best player in the world and today you don't perhaps need to be so precise with your distances off the tee but you do need to have the power right but nevertheless you still if you can't hold a six foot putt you would not be on the tour so the traditional courses i totally value that i personally if you know you go and have a look at the shot that bubba watson played on the 10th hole of augusta ludicrous levels of skill required and you go, okay, I definitely, I've even tried it. There's no way I could ever play that shot. So that's still interesting. It's his amazing skill. Then you stand there and you say, okay, listen, here was the 13th. So he teed off from there and he had second shot from there. Well, I can't even see where that is. It's behind the tree. It would take me a drive and a six iron to get there. So I don't think that diminishes our amazing recognition of what they can do on courses we can then go and play under the exact same conditions. So. Yeah. You can't just say golf ball clubs got to stop. That's not, I don't think, complete picture. And I also would say the traditional 18 holes over four days is the ultimate chess match and the most enjoyable. The back nine of Augusta, seeing what happens the last day at the Open, the conditions, the weather, all sorts of things gripping. And it's not just over 72 holes, four days. It's not just a test of brawn and speed. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Look at Francesco Molinari. At the Open Championship, he played the hardest shots the best. Correct. And he is not the most powerful of players. He's definitely this year probably the most efficient of players, but that's a whole nother set of skills. Well, for me, I I use the term effective driving, which is basically you need to hit it reasonably accurate for the distance you hit it. Yes. And Fran is probably top three or four in the world in in terms of that skill. Totally agree. So... We hear a lot of talk about the rules changing so that the professionals are going to be playing with different equipment to the rest of us. Where do you sit on that discussion? I'd be disappointed if that's the case. I think one of the fun things for an amateur golfer is that you are playing the same game they're playing. If that guy Cameron Champ can hit it 340 in the air, nine times out of ten with a little fade, man, 
Bless him. And you, I'm quite happy to pay money to watch that. Bless him. I love it. And keep going. Yeah. Because I could never, ever do that. Never, ever have done it. But I, you know, the ability to hit it that hard and to be able to watch that is just superb. And then for him, you know, the victory that he had the other day, his driver didn't work. He actually broke it. But man, his putting, his putting was absolutely unbelievable when he didn't have his game. That's what a true winner looks like. And again, a ludicrous amount of skills Yeah. that might not look quite like the traditional skills we... No, I think that... The skills may change, but nevertheless, the most skillful are still the most fun to watch. So you look at Jordan Spieth of how he won, let's say, the Open at Birkdale. That was mental strength at the time when everything else is freaking out. He found the minutes that he needed to be calm, collect himself. That's one of the greatest victories I've seen Mm -hmm. in the last five years anywhere in golf. And coming from such a young man. Yeah. To, I mean. There you look at the skills. He's hit one of the worst drives a professional golfer could hit. He's now bailed himself out, but he had the fortitude. That was not technology damaging the game. Right? Quite the opposite. The total opposite. So, and there's Birkdale, one of our greatest links courses to go and try your skills on, just providing the ultimate environment for the best competitors to go and win. It's gripping. And the fact that we can still have Jordan, who's not the longest, not the most accurate. No. But certainly one of the most skillful. The most skillful and the most able under pressure. When, when you're under that amount of pressure and things are going that wrong, it's so easy to let that slope just keep taking you away. And he put a barrier up there and said, right, enough. Calm down. What am I doing? And I will take the time that I need to reset this, and I've not lost it yet, and he went out and won it by miles. And it's funny you say that, because the thing that struck me at the time watching it was, I found it remarkable how he controlled that whole environment. The whole thing? The whole environment. There was not going to be any surprises for him. No. And obviously the way he then interacted with Kutcher was incredibly classy. But going back to the equipment debate, it doesn't matter what equipment you give him you're still going to need those soft skills yeah. that he displayed yeah. if you're going to be any good. Yeah, I think if you get into the top, let's say top 50, because top 50 is a number we know, you get into the top 50 and you look at all the whole of Justin Rose is what he has in his skill set. Mm. Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Spieth certainly, and there'll be a few others, McElroy from time to time just lights it up you know mm. McElroy's fifth gear is probably still the hottest fifth gear in golf don't see it that often mm-hmm. equipment distances is not damaging our entertainment at that level those guys are still spending hours practicing chipping bunkers putting wedge control that's not maximum distance that's finesse the that's almost your your answer to the feedback look at what they spend seven hours doing they don't just stand there smashing it or pumping iron. There's way more skills that have got to be honed to be a superstar player. So let, let's travel forwards in time a little bit. In 20 years' time, where is this going next? Because clearly in, there's a, there is a movement within the game just now to try and put a halt on equipment development. I'm pretty confident that if they do put a halt on equipment development, 
hopefully they won't go down the bifurcation route, but if they do put a halt on equipment development, the human beings will find another way to achieve the same outcome. I think that's right. I think probably if you look at, if you look at an elite player, I think elite players, you know, 25 years ago, if you compared what a golfer did in a month compared to an Olympic athlete in a month, it would be, the golfer would be embarrassing. It's almost like an amateur sport. Golf has definitely caught up a lot to that elite Olympic level in terms of training and preparation and, and efficiency of time. I would say if you look at the game, let's suppose you take 150 yards in because that's another good number. If you can get one shot better from 150 yards in, which means you hit one shot, let's say, to four feet more than you do normally, one shot a day is unbelievable. So I think there are still other levels. So maybe if the maximum ball speed is someone puts a ceiling on that, either through the ball technology or what the club does when it hits the ball, then I still think there are other places you can go. You can still go to 150 yards and work in what we call proximity to the hole. You can work all the way back down. You could spend more hours on training yourself to perform under pressure. You know, we have not saturated every single area of increasing performance in the game of golf. And golf is incredibly complicated. You know, I, I haven't trained the other sports, so I'm sure they're very complicated as well. But if you look at uh, short putting, middle length putting, long putting, chipping from tight lies, furry lies, and just expand the list. You coach it is your, infinite. Right, it's infinite. So you coach Lucas or you coach um, your guys, Torbjorn. You never go at the end of the day, actually, guys, that's it, we're done. You always go, okay, listen, you know what? We better see each other tomorrow because we didn't do that bunker shot. We didn't do that low flighted wedge shot. We didn't do that and we haven't done it. And we'd like, oh my God, we have, what have we done? So you've got such a massive to-do list that's always there in golf. You never, you never reach it. You never go, you know what? I'm ready. It's almost like, okay, what time is it? Six, Mike. I've got, we've got to go because we've got to play the next day. At, get a, but, but what about we didn't do... It's always like that. Always, 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 there's something left on the to-do list. Yeah, and you'll never actually get to the light you never at the end get of the it. tunnel. You never get it. If this is... I mean, clearly this is the way the game's going. I'm not sure that that's strictly speaking true because I think it's the way the game has gone for 100 years. Yeah. But if you have a young player now, so 15, 16-year-old who's showing a degree of talent, bearing in mind the need or the seeming need to hit at miles... How would you go about training that youngster? I think there are certain sequences which are given to you or not given to you. You know, certain people, let's say Tiger and a few others, have always been super, super explosive and able to create a balanced speed, you know, that, that gets you the best blend of power and accuracy. Let's suppose Luke Donald. Luke Donald has sort of been the poster boy for the medium hitter. But... Luke Donald, I would also argue, was shorter than average and more in, and not accurate and off never, the tee. Certainly never accurate off right? the tee. Never accurate off the tee. But there was a moment where I felt like the time that he put into his game was super, super efficient. So he put in tons of time, let's say from a six iron, through his wedges, all the way through a short game, and he probably would have to have been the best putter in the world by at least a shot a day, right? 
And then, in my opinion, he stopped training all of that because he then tried to become a longer player because I felt like, it, or he must have felt from reading all the articles that he was a medium hitter, number one on both tours, number one in the world, nevertheless, should be a longer player. Mm. I felt as though he departed from what he knew at a critical time where he should have decided, you know what, if I damage my strengths to try to improve my weaknesses, you will be a right now, player. I will fall off the rails. What he should have said was, I'm not particularly tall, I'm not muscle-bound, I'm not very explosive, I'm not going to be a long hitter, but you know what? I will hit my six iron closer to the hole than you hit your wedge. And I'm going to keep going like that. And that, that his game was built on that. That was how he became and number one in the world. And there were certain courses where he, you know, like you would say, okay, you never do well at the Masters. Yeah. Nearly won the Masters, right? So it's unfair to say that the game has made it impossible for a medium hitter to compete. Mm. More difficult, right? Undoubtedly. So in terms of training the young player, I would suggest blend your time to create the speed but don't ignore the fact that if you're 150 yards from the middle of the green and you can't hit it within six feet some of the time... Yeah, occasionally. ...then you are not... We will never, ever see you on tour. Yeah, so you haven't got the skill set to do you it. Have to be, you have to be... If you're going to be long, be unbelievably long and straight, Dustin Johnson. If you're going to be a, a Luke Donald from 150, 160 and in, you have to be able to get up and down. Your, your up and down is from 150 and in. And you need to get that in your head and build that. So you have to be brilliant at one thing and then manage the course based around the thing that you're brilliant at. And ultimately, we had this chat earlier on over lunch that if you're going to be any good at the game, you have to be exceptional at something. And by any good, I mean yes. a top 50 yes. player on, a, on any tour. Yeah. You have to be exceptional at something. Yeah. You're probably going to have no weaknesses, no real weaknesses. Yes. And you have to make sure that you're that the corresponding skills are good. So Luke, for example, 175 and in, yeah. that was the skill he needed because of the distance he hit it off the yeah. tee. There's been an awful lot made of Dustin, who is one of the most phenomenal athletes in yeah. the game of golf, but he only came number one player in the world when he figured out how to hit a green with a wedge. So as soon as he put his attention into becoming exceptional at that corresponding skill, yeah. he then went from being a serial winner on an annual basis to winning lots of times on an annual yeah, basis. Yeah, I think that was that was great coaching by Butch Harmon, wasn't it? Was to say, you know what, <clears throat> you can hit it miles, that's amazing, but do you know what, you are terrible at this. Here is a launch monitor which shows you total distance. I've taken every other option off so it doesn't confuse you. You have to learn how to control distance. Yeah. Here you go, this is the on button. We'll see you in a half a year. Dustin, to his massive credit, instead of rejecting that and saying, you know what, I'm just going to smash the thing because that's what I do so well, looked at it and went, you know what, I'll get into that. And he became one of the top three players in the last 18 months of, of, of 120 odds and in. If you're a young kid, that shows you the versatility of a superstar athlete. They went, looked at the thing I was no good at and said, you know what, seven months, I'll work on that every single day, all day long, and I'll be good at it. And don't underestimate that if you're a guy who naturally moves quickly, as Dustin yes. clearly does, becoming good at shots where uh, you're not moving yeah, quickly yeah, yeah. is so bloody difficult. Well, a lot of people never manage it. Yeah. Look at, look at uh, I don't know if you remember the name of Manuel Canonica. Yeah, I remember Canonica. You know, there were all sorts of superpower hitters who literally couldn't get a wedge on the green. Yeah. It's so difficult to be able to fine-tune a skill that's 
totally counter yeah. to, to your... Yeah, and, and they're opposite ends of the spectrum, aren't they? One's lots of angles, lots of lag, lots of drive. The other one is much more U-shaped, less or exactly the same angle of attack, exactly the same loft, exactly the same hit on the ball with exactly the same speed. Very, very different set of skills. I've said this to a lot of people in this. You watch these arguments on social media particularly, that I personally love where the game of golf is at just now because you've got quite a large group of contrasting athletes all doing remarkable things. DeChambeau doing his own crazy stuff, which he does incredibly well. You've got Dustin Johnson, you've got Brooks, you've got Rory who... When Rory's on is just the most wonderful golfer to watch. Yeah. Spieth, Ricky yeah. Fowler. Yeah. What I was looking at this year, obviously, it was amazing to me that Tiger Woods was able to be in the game as much as he was. Then mentally to be able to pull off what was a great victory, basically against Rory in, in the Tour Champs. Mm-hmm. You know, when Tiger was the best player in the world, by far, the rivalries weren't that great. So, mm. like... Ernie Els, David Duval, Vijay Singh, Mickelson. Mickelson, didn't really play that great when they played against Tiger, so the rivalry kind of malfunctioned. Yeah. Now I think, let's suppose you've got 10 potential number ones, and then you've got Tiger, who's a rising star, again, right? I think that is the recipe for the most unbelievable 2019 of golf. I mean, the Ryder Cup... You know, if you were a golf fan and a European tour fan, was absolutely epic. If you were a neutral, it was a bit of a damp squid, though. Yeah, I think that it was amazing how four or five of the Americans just never performed at all. I, I never thought you could say, you know what, Mickelson, Woods, Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, Ricky Fowler. I mean never looked like getting close so you could argue that there were at least three members of the backroom staff that would have been more appropriate choices for well, that than Woods and Mickelson's. yeah you could have strick around that golf course Zach Johnson Zach Johnson Kutcher and Kutcher and, and I Furyk thought Billy, himself yeah um, <laughs> Billy Horschel I thought was going to be a, a great anyway so I thought the Americans handled it absolutely brilliant they were such a classy act in in losing what is such a painful loss so very very great golf the best sort of environment to showcase golf but in terms of the performances that we really look at I like the way the tour schedule in the US has condensed in I think that's a much easier way like for you to prepare your players and and for the players to prepare themselves I'm looking forward to 2019. The Masters is just going to be unbelievable. You know, can Tiger Woods come back around that golf course? Favourite? I would personally say... Does he merit say, being favourite? Is he the favourite on He's the numbers? 10 to 1 on the numbers. Is he really? I would say... Which no, I find ludicrous. Yeah, not... I would not say the favourite. I would say... I would say there are six players who would be more favoured and going down that list that we've chatted about. But nevertheless... If he puts another spotlight on the game, that'll be good for golf. And there's, there's no question that there is big, not just at events, but the whole atmosphere around the game has changed dramatically yes. with Tiger being back. Yes, totally agree. And it's definitely noticeable in the other players as well, particularly the younger players who, oh, who yeah. grew up idolising yeah. Tiger. They want to go and watch him hit golf balls. They want yes. to be around him yes, and experience yes. it. I think that's what's brilliant about golf, you know. And golf is a hard game to dominate in. You know, if you look at, let's say, um, if you look at men's tennis, 
the top four seeds mostly play each other in the semi-finals, right? Very unusual with this. In golf, never. You know, Bryson Shambo's won four times. That's an unbelievable season, right? It's an unbelievable career. And an unbelievable career. He's lost 22 times. I mean, if Roger Federer lost 22, I mean, he'd be probably quit the game. So that's the nature of our sport. I personally think it's in very, very good shape. It's in very, very good hands. We have our top 12, 15 players and all the supporting players in, in the top 50 in the, on the tours. If you look at how they behave and how they are great ambassadors to the game as Arnold Palmer was, Nicholas. I look at golf and I think it's in great hands. Well, on that note, Simon, thank you for your time. Here's to a great uh, 2019 and hopefully we can have you on the uh, podcast again sometime. If I'm invited back. Oh, sure you will be. Thank you very much. Take care.